Well, that's kind of when it went downhill and we saw that he did need some help. And we started through what we call the addiction industry, where people spend thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars a year on their addicted children for the same course content for much less. And we met a parent at one of these sessions who had spent $100,000 at a program in uh, Utah for his 18-year-old kid, and it didn't take. So he Hello, this is Father John Arnold, and this is Oral Valley Catholic, and welcome back. The voice you just heard was Bill Sen, who is a parishioner here at St. Mark the Evangelist Parish and whose adult son fell into addiction after having some real success in life in his later 20s. And so uh, Bill's family just got sucked into the drama of the son's um, addiction to drugs. And uh, he found hope and uh, a response to the problem of his son's addiction in a Christian-based organization known as Parents of Addicted Loved Ones, POW. You can just put Parents of Addicted Loved Ones into your web browser and you can come across their website and you can find meetings in your local area. But I invited my guests, Penny, Bill One, and Bill Two, to tell you about their experience and their families with drug addiction. Um, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to understand why it's it's an awful experience for families to go through. But there are some things mom and dad, brothers and sisters should do, and some things they shouldn't do. And so in this podcast, you're going to learn about their experiences of their drug-addicted children going through a re rehabilitation. You're going to hear how relapses into, into drug use are really part of the process, uh, and they'll describe what they mean by that. And then... Uh, and most importantly, how family, ma uh, family members can keep from becoming collateral damage and can be real helpers uh, in the recovery of their children's sobriety. And so I asked Penny Allen, who is a leader locally in the PAL movement, uh, to tell you more about the PAL program. Parents of Addicted Loved Ones is a nationally uh, national faith based nonprofit. Um, parents of addicted loved ones can also be helpful to uh, spouses or family friends, someone that has a, an addicted loved one in their life. Um, it has two components. There's first the evidence-based curriculum that was written by a licensed substance abuse counselor. And then we have peer-to-peer -peer support um, which to me is where the magic happens, uh, getting families together so that they can realize they're not alone. Um, somebody else has maybe experienced the exact same thing that they are. Um, PAL, uh, just a little bit of history, PAL was started um, around 2006 in Phoenix. They got together with uh, Mike Speakman and began writing the the uh, material for PAL. They started having a few meetings here in Arizona. Um, and they've progressed now to the point where they're a nonprofit as of 2015. And they went from 18 meetings in three states to 165 meetings in 42 states. They also have five Zoom meetings per week, including one of those in Spanish. 
And so, Penny, as I understand it, this is based on the best psychological procedures for helping families uh, who are dealing with the addiction of a loved one in their family, maybe from drugs uh, or even alcohol, whatever the addiction might be. And then the second part is families that come together to share their experience and support each other and how it is best to deal with the individual problems in their families. Exactly. Is that it? Exactly. So how does this affect you personally? What, what's your story? So um, I have a long story and a lot of addicts in my life. I had four children, three of which uh, went that route. Luckily, not all at the exact same time. What kind of addiction? That they were in their addiction. So my oldest daughter, her drug of choice was meth. Um, she's got long-term recovery at this point. Um, I have a son who was an alcoholic and um, has also long-term re recovery at this point. Um, and then my youngest daughter, who's 36 now, um, has been kind of a chronic relapser. And so, um, so it isn't like all of these players were in addiction at the same time. But unfortunately, I kind of um, addressed it the same way I did parenting. And when you're parenting a young child, you use the skills that you know, the ones that you've um, probably learned from your parents. Um, but unfortunately, they don't work once your children are adults. Um, you're now uh, treating an adult like a child and um, so I spent, you know, many years just struggling, really feeling consumed um, with my children's lives and feeling like I could not have happiness in my own life if my children were not doing well in their life. So how did PALS help? So, um, so once I entered PAL, one of the first things I realized was um, I saw my children at those young ages when I had so much hope for them doing something different. Um, and I really had to change me. Once I finally learned that it was me that had to change, um, and not so much as, you know, what I was going to do to fix them. You know, I had been trying to come up with those perfect magic uh, formulas to fix them to make their life healthy and happy and of course that's impossible. Could you give us an example of a change you had to make? So you know mainly that I had to talk to them as adults. I had to expect adult behavior from them. Um, I really had to change our relationship from my side. I had to learn how to encourage good behavior. Um, could you give us and an times example to stay silent. from your so, own experience? So when they, you know, when they go into treatment, um, that's one of those times when, you know, they would go into treatment and I would be all in. Um, just everything, you know, like as if I could control the outcome when they got out. And, um, and I really needed to back off. I needed to let them have their recovery. You couldn't be a hover, a hover mother exactly. for someone who's an adult. Exactly, exactly. If they're adults, you gotta let them kind of work their own problems out. Exactly. That's, that's a tough way to love. It's, it's really, uh, it's a funny thing, because I think um, 
parents experience it differently than other people. I think, you know, friends or family members, other family members have a different outlook on it than what a parent does. Yeah. Um, so it's really strange, uh, that relationship. Bill, how does this work out in your experience? Will was a model student at South Point. He had good grades on the student council, swim team captain. We figured we had dodged a bullet getting him graduated out of high school and not having the usual typical team problems. He accepted to the Air Force Academy, decided to go to Santa Clara where he got his marketing degree, later got his master's degree in marketing from Northwestern. I'll brag on him, at age 30 he sold one half of a search engine optimization business he had started with a high school buddy for half a million dollars. And when that's going on with your kid, your adult child, you figure, okay, one down, I've got one daughter to go. Not so fast. Uh, that's about when the problem started, when he had a lot of money in his pocket and no need to go to work right away. And we got little signs when he was in San Diego and we were in Tucson. Uh, his business, former business partner called and said, hey, he's in the ER. Uh, you might want to uh, to get here. Well, I had to leave work early, and it turns out he was released and told us it was just Chinese energy herbs. He was taken to go to the gym. He was always super healthy and a gym rat. That obviously was not the case in uh, in hindsight. Then other well, the little signs, like he was too sick to join a family weekend trip, didn't answer phone calls. We actually had the San Diego police do a wellness check, and he said, oh, I was just resting. We learned we were slow learners. We had no help, no programs, no idea where to go from there. And then we said, okay, you don't need to live in San Diego anymore. Why don't you come home for a little while, since you have some money in your pocket, and reset your life. Well, that's kind of when it went downhill, and we saw that he did need some help. And we started through what we call the addiction industry, where people spend thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of dollars a year on their addicted children for the same course content, for much less, and we met a parent at one of these sessions who had spent $100,000 at a program in uh, Utah for his 18-year-old kid, and it didn't take. So he was there at this other, not quite as expensive program to try again. And it's just the rat race. If they're not ready, they're just not ready. And finally we discovered PAL, and I can't even remember to this day how we first discovered it, but we were taught that hope is not a strategy and that we parents were actually codependent enablers and not only not helping Will, but doing harm. Uh, we actually went to an Al-Anon meeting, a similar type program, and there was a 90-year-old gentleman who was there for the first time ever at any meeting, and he said, my son, who was, had to be in his 60s or 70s, has been addicted to alcohol and he has drained this father's finances for decades. And that was his wake-up call. So it's possible to get that help, but you have to get the word out that these programs are out there. So fast forward to when Will was finally home. Uh, he decided, after we told him he can't use drugs in the house, that he'd go to Phoenix on his own. Two months later, he fell off his apartment. Uh, Two-story fall, burst his head. This was during COVID. The people, the, the Banner Hospital folks patched him up. The following two years, he lived with us was clean except for sneaking alcohol on occasion. Uh, he would occasionally have a seizure for which he was on medication, but the neurologist told us there could come a time where one will barrel through that that medicine's not gonna stop, and that's what happened. And uh, he passed away two, two Junes ago, 
And uh, the toxicology report showed no drug use, totally clean. It's too bad because he was at least 90 plus percent brain power getting ready to go back to work. But the ramifications of addiction ended up uh, doing him in. Took a physical as well as a mental toll. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's it, it really was interesting about your story. And I think people who deal with addiction, you know, we think of love as an emotion, a feeling. Uh, but love is always seeking the good of another. And some of the problems you decided really aren't in anybody's best interests. Either they're not ready for them or it doesn't really go to what the problem is. And uh, you're better off maybe looking at a different route and pal, maybe that route for some families, it sounds like. Right. And so, Bill Leverance, I know that you have a story also. Would you share that with our listeners? Sure. So my story started about 15 years ago. Uh, two teenage sons, um, probably 14 and 16 at the time. I had a uh, Percocet prescription from getting uh, a couple of wisdom tooth wisdom teeth removed, and I took half of one pill, hated it, put it in the put it in the medicine cabinet. Six months later, I get a call from the principal at school. He's got drugs. He's kicked out. Zero tolerance. So he ends up going into the alternative schooling system, which turned out not to work in our case. But Did he uh, take that was, your Percocet? Is that what happened? I'm sorry? Did he take your Percocet? Well, I'm not even sure exactly what. He was trying to sell it was one of the things, but he had crushed some up. and but I think he took it and sold it. Okay. And so, yeah, so that, but that, that ended up going into it. Turned out both my sons were doing heroin and meth. Um, That's kind of the deep end of the pool, isn't it? They, they went pretty quick. And uh, I would warn all parents, check your medicine cabinets. Because that's where, I think they, the number's really high. It's a very high percentage of kids that that's where they get their first drugs. So parents, check your uh, medicine cabinets. Throw out anything you're not using and lock up everything else. Um, but anyway, about, uh, I dealt with that for about five years on my own. And uh, I started dating my current wife. And she found Pal and said, you know, maybe that could help you. So I, I've been going for about 10 years. And, and actually about uh, two years ago, I became a backup facilitator to Penny. So you, you go through the training that Pal offers. And, and I lead meetings when Penny can't lead them. And, uh, and we work together. For Tell about our meeting. I didn't do that. Tell about our meeting. Yeah, what happens at these meetings? So, so Pal is a 10-lesson curriculum plus a couple supplemental lessons. So we do follow a, uh, a defined, proven curriculum that helps people dealing with everything from what we call delayed emotional growth, which is where when your child starts using drugs, mentally, emotionally, they have trouble moving on from that, that age. So you may see your 25-year-old really as a 15-year-old in a parent's eyes. And that's another way it's tough for uh, parents to, to, to let go of their kids because really internally you still see them as a, as a 15-year-old. So we go through our lesson. We work through. We take questions. There's uh, study notes that we get from PAL. Um, and then there's a segment after where each family uh, gets a chance to talk about where they're at currently with their, their loved ones. And that's, that's we'll said, the magic of the... What would be an example of a lesson? Well, a lot of what we learn is it's the treating like an adult, it's the enabling. You know, there's a fine line between helping and enabling. We talk about caregiving versus caretaking, 
uh, caretaking is what you do for a for a minor. You know, you have to take care of that. You have you have a uh, legal obligation to take care of a minor, uh, but you don't have an obligation to take care of an adult. And it and it also keeps them from progressing to adulthood. If we're doing everything for them, they're never going to move on from that. So. In your own mind, it's very hard. Well, I don't want them to be on the street. I don't want them to go hungry. I, I want to give them shelter. I want to help them with their car. We do those things. I did all that stuff for probably five years where I'm, th I'm thinking I'm helping. And, and it turns out, in my opinion, it, it just allows them to stay in their addiction. And so what would POWs tell you to do instead of feeding them, housing them, and getting them a car? You know, you can, you can give them suggestions on what they can do. You can support them. You can love them. But that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean here's the credit card, use it for whatever you need. Uh, and even what we find and what we learn is that if you buy your kids gift cards, so say I give a Burger King gift card for $50, they can take it to a pawn shop and sell it for $25. And then they use $25 to go buy drugs in a lot of cases. So we you have to learn we, ways to we support We basically them. learn boundaries, right? Yep. We're learning boundaries. And those boundaries are, are um, helpful for them so that they learn how to be adults. But then it's helpful for us to protect our hearts, our hard-earned money, um, our valuables, you know. So, Bill, you got about halfway into your story. Sorry. When, okay. uh, we really kind of, I thought, needed some clarification for what these meetings are. So what happened with your two sons? So my youngest son's been on the street for about five years. He was in and out of rehab. So we talked the whole rehab story. And, you know, the first time you're having a party and they do their 30 days and, and they're saved, right, is what we think. Well, it turns out, look at us. And unfortunately, we talk about relapse being part of the process. It's, it's extremely common. It's uh, the addiction, what it does to your brain. In fact, some of our lessons we'll talk about the 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 medical functions of your brain and how it gets rewired when you're on drugs and the, the younger they start the harder it is to overcome that so we, we talk about those kind of things um, my sons were both in and out of uh, rehabs one of my sons spent two years in prison for stealing a lot of it was stealing from me because you have you, you learn that's one of the things you, you find out that you're your kids are addicts, it's all of a sudden things start disappearing. You don't really know why. And then you realize, and, and, it's, and it's difficult to admit what's going on. So coming to a, a, a PAL meeting was, was very difficult, but it helps you every week to, to deal with what's going on, learn some ways to deal through, through other people and through the curriculum, and, uh, and, and just help me to move on. So what I'm taking out of this is, if you keep feeding the addiction and the behavior, nothing's ever going to change. If you quit enabling, then they get to make the choice, yep. and things possibly can change. But it's the only way that things can change. You know what it makes me think about? It makes me think about God and us. Why exactly. God lets us do what we do, because we have to decide at some point we're going to change. He can't do it for us. Yep. This is free will. Pretty well, Absolutely. and in one case, my my younger son, twenty nine years old now, on the street, been on the street for years, and and that's what he's, you know, I've cut off my enabling, so at least it's not affecting me as much financially. Still very emotional and uh, mental 
mentally affects you. My 31-year-old son has been clean for about a year. He's working a job. He's got an apartment. And uh, so far, so good. But we know that it's a fragile existence, and that's why I still keep going to Powell. Bill said, if I may backtrack on my denigration of expensive uh, programs, I do think that some programs are necessary for an addict. One of them taught us that they can't necessarily pull themselves up by the bootstraps. They need the tools, but one 30-day program, one program is enough. Uh, Marana Health has it for free. Will went to that. So you don't have to keep going through them. You don't have to. You can, one time. Right. You can pick one that's free on the taxpayer dime, and Will went to that one. It was a, I looked at the course. It was the same thing he'd gotten at other courses. But they need something. Maybe a one and done is, if I were to do it again, that would have been my strategy. Okay, you have your tools now, and we're not going to go That sounds more. like experience talking, Bill. Right. So let me ask a question, because so far we've talked about drugs. Methamphetamines, heroin have played a large part in the conversation. I assume like fentanyl and other drugs sometimes come up in Powell's meetings. Can I ask whether or not pornography addiction ever comes into Powell's meetings? Or is that a very different kind of thing from the perspective I, of Powell's? Yeah, I, I can't say that I've ever experienced it um, where someone is <coughs> experiencing that problem with pornography. You mean a parent? I, a parent, yeah. yeah. I do know it can really go hand in hand with drugs. Um, so there might be that component, and we just never have, you know, had a family that, you know, shared that much, yeah, or maybe even either. knew that much. Um, you know, that's always possible. So here's kind of what I'm taking out of it, and be great if you would just correct me, is from the perspective of the addict, these programs serve a purpose, but one and done, they get the tools they need, they've been taught. Pals is how mom and dad support the child in a helpful way where they have to decide they're going to take it and run with it. But you really need, it sounds like, both aspects of this to deal with an addiction problem in the family. Absolutely. Something for the addict to do and then treatment for how the parents ought to respond. And, and I would say the... the uh, the families are not only learning how to support and how to help their addicted loved one um, through to the other side. They're dealing with their own. Because um, a lot of families, by the time they come to us, uh, you know, they've spent maybe their, their whole life savings um, trying to fix somebody else, putting them into rehab after rehab, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, a lot of marriages fail. Um, they're destroyed. And, and people lose hope. You know. So one of the things I think we should discuss, if you're open to it, is it sounds like you've had experiences with your children going through these rehab services. And so there's Alcoholics Anonymous. You talked about a program here in Marana. Um, there is Canyon Ranch, I think, is something. You've made reference to a program up in Utah, which a friend, I think I know, sent his daughter up there. So why don't we just go around and give your advice about what you ought to tell your kids or what you ought to do if you're going to help them with the, get into a program where they can get some tools to deal with their problems. Penny, would you start us so, off? So uh, right now, um, most of the programs in Tucson that are available are 30-day programs. It's not enough. Um, 
And they're Everybody, residential programs? Yeah, that would be 30 days residential. They, have, um, they do have some outpatient, of course, um, services as well. Um, and then, of course, there's, um, you know, we're talking about, you know, heroin, fentanyl, that kind of thing. So you have clinics that will give them medication to put them out into society. Um, everybody has different feelings about recovery as far as that goes. When it comes to parents um, and families, it's best to learn, kind of learn about it, and be, just be supportive if they're making an, a, an attempt towards recovery. Um, a lot of these, a lot of these people will go into recovery many times throughout their journey. Um, it's pretty rare, if not unheard of, for some for a one and done, and somebody's cured. What I'm taking out of this though is really from a parental perspective, once is enough. And so when it comes to as parents paying, emptying out their bank accounts exactly. one time, exactly. is that it? Bill, what do you think? Oh, I totally agree. And, and Penny's right. Recovery, the saying is recovery or relapse is part of recovery. It just is. One and done or five and done, you, there's still going to be some relapses. That's just part of it. But you hope that each low is higher than the last low and it's shorter term. Right. But if I may touch on the other programs folks may be familiar with, rather than PAL, would be Narcotics Anonymous and one called SMART. And very, very briefly, Narcotics Anonymous started in the 50s, 12-step program, very much like AA that we've all heard about. They recommend 90 days, daily meetings. They reference a higher power, spiritual, not Christianity necessarily, but a spiritual higher power. Uh, and they're not only just for narcotics, but also alcohol. But for the person who is not alcohol, uh, problemed, that would be a targeted meeting. That would be very similar to A. The other one that I would like to mention is SMART. It stands for Self-Management and Recovery Training. And that's the one that uh, Sun Will got hooked up with. There's no mention of a higher power. There's no 12 steps. A little bit more loosey-goosey, sort of cerebral-based. And if I could read there, the little thing from their website, they use tools that are practical, including cognitive behavioral therapy, rational and motive behavioral therapy. And uh, boy, he was loving that because he got into the cerebral part of it. And the other key that they are okay with, well, besides zero higher power, is harm reduction. So where an addict, let's say he's addicted to heroin, he may say, okay, I can't go back there, but I still have an addiction. I'd like to transfer my addiction to alcohol and be a social drinker. The other programs are pretty much no alcohol, no, you know, not completely cold. So do you recommend any of these programs you're talking about? Oh, Narcotics Anonymous. If you like Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous is, seems very similar based. Okay. But SMART, I wouldn't necessarily go that direction. Uh, I, I'm a believer in a higher power, in, in my case, Jesus and God. I remember uh, because I was there for Will's funeral right. and the story you and Cindy told me about taking him to Mass before he died. Do you remember that? I do, indeed. Would you mind telling that? Sure. Uh, Will had returned, I would say, returned to the church. Uh, That's hopeful. It, it is very hopeful. And uh, he sometimes would go to communion and just receive a blessing. Sometimes he would participate in communion. And he had really turned his life around in that respect. Uh, not that he ever left the church, but you know, once you're on a vendor and you're falling off your apartment, you're not necessarily thinking it's time to go to church. Yeah. But I think he turned the corner on that. 
and uh, and not that we forced him. We said, hey, we're going to go to church. Uh, will you want to come? Okay. And, and he'd show up. So that gave us hope. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was a very touching story. Bill Leverance, what's your observations about some of these programs that the addicted person would participate in? Yeah, I think the longer the better. And, and 30 days typically is not enough. Uh, I agree. 60, 90... 60, 90, 120. One year would yeah, be One awesome. year would be ideal. But, but you know, it really comes you down to the You would help with that one time. Yeah. You would help with that one time? There's, yeah, you know, yeah. there's a lot of programs out there where, because this is an adult, they can get help to where they're not paying full okay. price for those services. So, you know, we kind of try and work with families to kind of find those kind of services. Because so pals can help with that. Exactly. Well, just the families that are involved, we all have experience with one place or another. Just in terms of resources. Because, yeah. because, yeah, instead of seeing a family just, you know, lose their retirement, their, retirement, their yeah. retirement funds over um, putting them into something that, yeah, there's no guarantees, you know. So, Bill, was there anything else besides the longer the better? Yeah, I did want to get back to the, the age thing. We see in our meetings 17-year-old, you know, parents of 17-year-olds. We see parents of 65-year-olds. So it's it's across the spectrum. And those parents that have been there a long time, and that was something that gave me a, a real kick in the pants, was if, if I keep doing this, I may end up in the same boat. And, and I don't plan on doing this for another 20 or 30 years. You know, I went through this. Um, the other thing with the, the, the long term, longer term, the better, I think it's very important for the addict to get into other activities. They need to replace that addiction with something else. My, my boys, my personal experience, were always much better if they got into sports, religion, uh, working out, um, just other hobbies. life. And, and it's certainly something physical. Maybe it's bike riding, maybe it's running, whatever. Those things, you need to put them all together. And I think the 12-step programs. I've always tried to encourage AANA uh, because they have the really the best thing I think about those types of scenarios. They can get a sponsor who's been through it, and and they don't put up with their bowl because you know parents. Pal says parents are weak adversaries for drugs, and you know when you, when you're a family, it's a family member. Yeah. It's a lot tougher than than 20 people in a meeting that are telling you, you're full of it, we know, and you need to straighten so, up. Penny, we're coming to a close here. Okay. And so if some of our listeners have children that are in this situation and they feel they're getting sucked into this, what would they do to connect with PALS? So um, if you go to the website, palgroup.org, that's gonna be your best um, place to start. You can search for a meeting. Um, you can also sign up to do weekly Zoom meetings, although I say only do that if you can't find one close in your area. Uh, we meet in the northwest part of Tucson. There's three meetings in Tucson. So we have a northwest and then we have a couple meetings on the east side. Does it cost to um, attend these meetings? There's, there's no cost and you can start whenever you want. We're there every Tuesday night from 6 to 7.30 at ours. New Life Bible Fellowship on Cortero Farms. Um, 
And like I said, we're there every Tuesday. So if we're on lesson three, it doesn't matter. We're going to come back to it in a few weeks. You keep going around. We yeah. keep going around. And it isn't like they're put together in such a way that, oh, I missed one and two, so now three yeah. doesn't make sense. It'll all work out. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to put the link in the show notes on our parish website and on SoundCloud. Thank so you. So people can find it. And uh, if... If there's anything, they can always call the parish office and I can put them in touch with you and you can give them Absolutely. some counsel. Absolutely. Um, they can email me directly at penny at palgroup.org um, if they have any questions. Um, otherwise, like I said, um, the website's a great place too because there's all kinds of stories there that they can read and kind of realize what we're about a little bit. Um, so, and all the lessons, I think, are and the lessons are there. Yeah. Too. So if you can even look at what some of the at. lessons would be. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, this is a good time to close, I think, with a prayer that God bless families that have these terrible problems. Um, a friend of mine who has an addicted child says, um, "You're as happy as your unhappiest child." Um, it's the way it is to be a parent. Well, God bless our families. God help them in their need. This has been another uh, episode of Oral Valley Catholic. Amen.